0: Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about critical role, TPKs, and we answer your questions. Stay tuned, it's episode 100 of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Hello, everybody. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and this is the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Welcome to episode 100. It is fantastic. I am so excited. Uh, And I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir.
1: Hello everybody. Adjust your volumes as I fixed my mic from last week and uh, hopefully I'm much louder for you guys. So hopefully it's working out.
0: (laughs) Uh, And I'm awake and I'm here. So I didn't sleep in. I didn't sleep in for our hundredth episode. (laughs) That's so exciting. Um, we have uh, a giveaway, which we will talk about prizes and uh, things like that. But if you want to enter now because you're too excited, uh, there is a link in the YouTube description. And uh, we will put the link in the Twitch description or Twitch uh, chat at some point. Um, and that would be awesome. And we would love to have you guys enter a lot of really cool prizes. Uh, so we're going to go a little longer, too, with this show. We're going to talk about... Um, the news and games and things like that and then we have a bunch of questions that you guys asked us and we're going to answer them to the best of our abilities um, we'll also be taking questions from chat here and there so feel free to uh, I guess if you have a question maybe bracket it with like the word question so we can skim through and find it that would be awesome mm-hmm. um, but not just yet we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk about the news first um, Lucian what is happening in the world of Dungeons and dragons?
1: Well, you know, it was kind of a slow news week last week. We didn't really. know actually what, what we got. And Ridiculous. funny enough, we were talking about this last Saturday. And then Sunday, we got the first little um, leak, I would say. We saw the leak. I think it was Sunday evening-ish. And then Monday morning, we waited around. And it was confirmed for Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. Wow. you know, that campaign setting that you were hoping and waiting for, Jordan. I know. <laughs> Not in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: it was weird. This was this came out of left field for me. And then I yeah. thought about it and I was like, no, this actually makes perfect sense because Critical Role is probably, they have so much statistics, I'm sure, Wizards of the Coast. And they probably mm-hmm. look at it and they're like, we're getting more D&D players because of Critical Role than any other like streaming thing ever. But... Mm-hmm. When you when you go to Reddit, there were even critical role fans that were like, this isn't the book that I wanted. Like, mm-hmm. why I was hoping for another Xanathers or something. Like, I don't know. And if you're like me, a lot of people felt that it didn't feel DD-ish because it wasn't like a classic setting. But then it got me thinking about things like eberron eberron wasn't a classic setting when it came out in third edition, it was a brand new setting. And so why can't we have a brand new setting for fifth edition as well? Um I don't know, I'm not the biggest Critical Role fan, but uh, I watched a couple of the videos with Matt Mercer. I know, shocking.
1: Hot take.
0: I watched a couple of the videos with Matt Mercer and I like him a lot. Like, I think they're all really great people. And he actually, he wrote a really great uh, letter on Reddit, on the D&D subreddit that was just like, hey, I know that a lot of you guys weren't, this isn't the book you wanted, but you know, we're doing this and it's really cool. And uh, I'm paraphrasing it really poorly. But in the end he said, if this book isn't for you, you don't have to buy it. But I do hope that if we ever meet each other at a convention, we can swap stories, show off dice, roll some characters and have a good time kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. so it, it is just like, you know, this is my baby, but it's not for everyone. And that's OK. It doesn't have to be for everyone. Um, yeah. But with this book, they're going to have factions of Mount which is the name of the region or is it the world or the region? I'm not sure.
1: It's gotta be the region because I bought the other book they put out, which was the Taldori book, which I thought was the name of the overall world.
0: No. And that was a continent or something. Cause I was yeah. explained by a critical role fan that <laughs> this is a separate continent. So Because um, that campaign too is on the same planet, but a different continent. Um, but they're going to get new subclasses, new spells, uh, New magic items, um, including weapons that that grow with your player, which I know a lot of people want because you have, you have your level one fighter and he's like, I've got my father's sword that blah blah blah, and then you find like a <laughs> plus one magic item and you're like, so long father's sword, I've got this better sword now. <laughs> so the idea that you could start with an item that grows with you is kind of cool. Um, everybody wants new, new monsters, so why not? Yeah. Um, and this made me think a lot of Ravnica. Ravnica was a book that came out that I was like, nobody asked for this, Wizards of the Coast. Why are you doing this? Nobody wants this. And then it turned out to be really cool. And there are a lot of people that are running Ravnica games. Uh, I know Indoor's channel, I think uh, he's doing a Ravnica game on Mondays. No, Tuesdays. Indoor, you can correct me in chat. But you are running some kind of Ravnica game. (laughs) Uh, And it's very exciting. Uh, So... You know, people are playing that, and and the the subclasses and stuff were fun, and things like the Spore Druid that were in Ravnica, you could easily take and put into your campaign because a Spore Druid is not essentially Ravnica, and I think these other subclasses are going to be the same way. Like the subclass in uh, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount is going to not, it's not going to be like so tethered to that campaign setting that I can't take it and put it in Forgotten Realms or something else. So. What are we what are we smirking at? What everyone's laughing?
1: <laughs> the chat. Chat. <laughs> What's
0: happening?
1: We're we're interacting with chat. <laughs> yeah, this this actually was one of those things that had like that roller coaster for me also because when it when it dropped, I thought I like Critical Role but I didn't like Critical Role enough that I want to run a campaign in their world mm-hmm. because, and I started trying to analyze why is that? Why do I want to run a campaign in Greyhawk? Why does that interest me? Why do I want to run a campaign in Forgotten Realms? I don't really want to run a campaign in Eberron. I would play in it. I think it's fine. And I think it's great what he's doing and I love that that it's out there, yeah. but I don't know if I want to run a campaign in it. And then I was thinking, I don't know if I want to run a campaign because I already have the other book and that one was okay-ish, but it, it didn't, grab me as much as reading all the other um, campaign settings that are out there or like a dark sun or a Spelljammer, yeah. or, or something just crazy out there. But then it, it made me think that, well, how do these things like you just said become classics and it becomes people playing it. And we had an act Inc. Book, which is yeah. basically kind of an ACK Inc. campaign world, they do use Forgotten Realms, but it is an ACK Inc. No, style game. It's their,
0: game. Own, it's their yeah. own thing, and we've got you, a Rick and Morty it, yeah.
1: style game, we've got Eberron style games, we've got Ravnica style games. So, we are getting a lot of these, these different worlds getting pulled in. Um, so it was interesting. I did find it kind of off putting that so many people were trying to get ahead of the rage (laughs) that was the internet rage there was just like if if this wasn't a book you wanted just be the type of person that says okay i'll just buy the next book and we don't need to hear that you don't like this book or whatever and i and i think it's interesting that i saw more of that than i even saw with the ravnica book which was people saying we don't need magic in our dungeons and dragons but in reality there was a bunch of us that really wanted that i mean that world of Magic the Gathering is so cool. I've always wanted to be able to play campaigns in that world. They just released Theros um this past week and I want a campaign book for that. You know, I want a mm-hmm. campaign book for all this stuff they do cuz it's such a vibrant world. Um, and I think that's what grabs me. I think it's these vibrant worlds that grab me. So what I came up with is why was I resistant to the this Wildmount book? Like it's not one that I'm that I'm too into and I think it's because I watch Critical Role and I know it's Matt Mercer's world and I don't feel like I can make that my world. Oh, right?
0: that's a good point. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's his world to me. Like I never got to see Keith Baker run his game. So if I do Eberron, it doesn't feel like it's Keith's world. It just feels like it's Eberron. It's anybody who's running its world. Yeah. If I run a forgotten because realms, it's anybody who's running it. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah.
0: Keith wasn't running Eberron streaming for like five years before making yeah. it into a book. You know, and yeah. people liked the world of Eberron, but it, it never got that sensation of like, but that's Keith's. And that's kind of how, you're right. That's how this feels because I'm, I and, and actually that, now that you say that out loud, I think that's exactly it. I don't feel like it almost doesn't feel right for me to run a Matt right. Mercer world book. I don't feel like I can do like, it. Great. It's not mine. He made this. Yeah. I could make, yeah, my I can't own. do it like, justice, but yeah. forgotten realms. It seems like, well, that's open for everybody. So, you know, yeah. Eberron that's open for everybody. I don't know. Dark sun.
1: Yeah. Et yeah. Like, so it, yeah. So indoor adventure and cyber, those are all people that I would play with LB hack up would all be people that played in my games. And if I went to them and I said, Hey guys, I'm going to run this new wild man wild mount campaign we're gonna stream it online they would be super excited but then the pressure on me would be ah, i can't do it as good as matt does that world because mm. he knows everything about his own world and they're fans of that and they want that but i can't do that and what happens when i do something different than matt would do like i decide to kill off some main character that they're like whoa you can't do that like, that's but he's the, still
0: alive in the show that's and you're the like, highest druid
1: I, uh, person yeah. of this whoever yeah. so i would have anxiety about I'm not giving them the experience that they want in that campaign world because I don't know if I can make it my campaign world. Yeah. With that. So that's where my resistance came from. Now it's probably a fault, you know, there's no I can obviously work around it. And I mm-hmm. should remind myself that whenever you role-play a game, the world is your world. You make it yours. The Ravnica I run a campaign is my Ravnica and it would be different than Indoors Ravnica is going to be would be different than Jordan's if Jordan runs an Eberron and I run an Eberron Those are different worlds. They're going to run differently different things are going to happen Maybe your trains are a little bit different than the way I want to do the train I'm going to adjust them a little bit because I want to do something a little bit different or whatever and I forget that but it just felt like with the wild mount book that I was leaning more towards it's Matt's world. I can't play in Matt's world. Yeah. That's his That's his toys. Those aren't my toys to play with. I don't
0: <laughs> but know. It's, they uh,
1: definitely it's, made the book huge.
0: Yeah, it's 300 they pages. They
1: definitely so. added stuff in it that made me sound like I wanted to find out about. They added character classes, mm-hmm. like you said, the weapons inf- information. And he did do a good job of saying, there's pieces here that I hope you can pull out of this book and use in your campaigns, even if you don't want to run your campaign in Wildmount. And I think that's a good way to look at all books. All books should be released that way from Wizard of the Coast. They have pieces that you can pull out if you want to, and you can ignore what you don't. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have that, I don't think it's a good book. But I think this one will be a good book because of that. Um, <clears throat> and so that's, yeah, I was kind of, I'm one of those people that was like, eh, it's not really the the world I want. I don't, I don't mind that it's out there. And I wonder how many streams we're going to see of, wild mount streams right so yeah. we have lots of streams out there people playing dungeons and dragons we had some pop up when eberron came out so i started seeing a few here and there of eberron streams popping up i wonder how many we'll see of wild mount popping up out there to see Where's maybe a lot I'll of enjoy Taldry, those.
0: like streams that started when that book came out
1: i don't recall any streams i, I ran one one shot in it with with our friends okay um And it it seemed pretty fun, but it also felt, again, like I did feel like there was enough information in the campaign book. Mm -hmm. I felt like I needed more Mm -hmm. Um, because it felt like it was this really realized world, but it was still a lot of it locked up in Matt's head, Mm -hmm. right? So he knows all the stuff, but he hasn't written all of it down yet, or he knows what all these things... And Keith's kind of been doing that, too, where he puts out lots of posts about this is how the wood elves are, and this is how the halflings are. Even if that piece of information doesn't show up in the book, he's always putting out information about, well, this is how these yeah, things are Yeah, he's got working. a blog where he does say
0: like, you know, let's talk about changelings. Like, well, and he'll, he'll be like, this is how I always interpreted changelings, but in actuality, or, or in the books, I didn't write you know, these books, and, and that's how changelings are canon-wise, but like, if you want my mm-hmm. opinion, and so a lot of people, and that's why we were talking canon with a K, because there's Keith Baker canon, so, <laughs> and I wonder, sure. I don't know, do you, so I have two questions, sure. or two things that I want to talk about. One is, uh, are critical role fans the type of people that will allow Lucian to make Wild Mount his game? Or are they going to be, um, and, I, and that's a generalization, I guess. But like, I know critical Rans are critical role fans are pretty, pretty die hard. And yeah. If I'm like, Would hey they ever guys, become... I, I want to run a critical role game, and we all sit down at the table, and then they know more about the setting than I do, and I'm mm-hmm. like, but I have the book, and so I'm going to do this, and they're like, ah, well, you can't really. They wouldn't do that, and, and it's like, well, you're not, you're not jester actually, so maybe we should like not play like that. I don't know.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Would they let, would they become Jordan fans running in wild if they were critical role fans? Yeah. I don't know. I have yeah, no I idea. I do know that the, the critical role crowd have been, have had to defend themselves in some ways. It mm-hmm. feels like over the last year or two, because a lot of things have come up and have tried to disparage the group that makes critical role. And all those people are fantastic. They're really great. Yeah. Superhumans that seem to, they do way more than I ever do charity wise and helping people out and interacting with their community. They're, they're great and wonderful people and they've been attacked here and there. Like when they did the, the, um, they did the Wendy's tie in, they mm-hmm. got attacked. They, they're going to make a cartoon. They got attacked. You know, there were segments of the internet coming at them because they're like, Oh, you guys are big time now, or, Oh, you're selling out. or mm-hmm. Oh, you're working with this company. That's obviously a terrible company and you shouldn't do that. And, And so they're used to now defending what critical role is doing. And I think that was what this was, but I felt like in no other book release, did I see a bunch of stream or a bunch of tweets and a bunch of conversation about, Hey guys, if this isn't the book for you, don't worry. There's more stuff coming up out, coming from wizards of the coast, coming from all of the the critical role people Um, all of them putting that out there that Monday morning to try to tamp down anything that might, you know, turn into Mm -hmm. some big wildfire. So it's almost like they knew this book was controversial. Like they kind of knew what they were getting themselves into. And I wonder what the process was. Sounds like he's been working on it for more than, I think the interview said he's been working on it for two years, right? Yeah. So this isn't something that just sprung out, yeah. which sometimes we all think of, oh, the book's out and they've only been working on it for the last couple of months. But that's yeah. that's not true with Wizards of the Coast. They're two or three years out on their on their thing. So this has been a long time in the making for this. And I just think it's an interesting thing. Are they gonna do the live event? based on this world is that what the campaign is going to be and everything's going to tie into or is this going to be supported kind of like Eberron? eberron has been supported for about a month it released in november it got some kind of um marketing push in december from wizards of the coast and now we're done we're on to wild mountain we're going to do that so like is that all we're going to get are we going to get a month of wild mount and then the next thing we're going to talk about or are they going to push it harder or they didn't really even push the act ink book that much. I don't think either. Um, or the Rick and Morty, they did a little bit, but they didn't really, you know, there wasn't streams and live events and all that kind of stuff based on all those things. Um, so I just wonder what their planning is and what their, their marketing is kind of feels weird to me. Yeah. What do you think on, on how it was presented or even the idea that Monday morning at 8am, when I went to their website, there was no mention of wild mount yet. And then as the day rolled on one page on one tab would get switched and then another page and another tab might, might reference it. And by the end of the day, it was like the main page had it as the the main thing. And you finally could go to the products page and it was there. And it was like, it was like one person was slowly hitting a button every hour to change one thing on their website. <laughs> it just seemed really odd to that's the way you're going to roll out your big announcement for, and then, they had no real big wizards of the coast announcement. Mm-hmm. They had some Twitter stuff out there and they said, "Hey, everybody go look at the Amazon page," but then that that was it. You know, so it seemed really odd to me the whole this is our big 2020 big push. Here's our here's our first product of the year and they barely put a lot of marketing effort into it. It, it seemed Maybe weird they to they me. I don't know what you thought. Maybe
0: they relying on Matt and friends to do it because it was like it's their baby, I don't know. Um My second question or topic I want to discuss is, how do you feel about back-to-back campaign settings? Like, that's a little weird too. Like, we just got Eberron and then we get a wild mount. That's the next book. And I thought that was kind of, I just felt that that was odd because we barely get to understand this new world and then you're throwing another one at us. Um, But at the same time, is that wrong? Like, who cares? Like, there are people that are like, well, I'm not interested in eberron but i am interested in wild mount so i am excited for this so i don't know it was kind of that was that was an odd one to me as well
1: yeah well and are we going to get more or is this it was this just the big commercial tie-in that they wanted to do and now they're done with commercial tie-ins because what else is left commercial tie-in that they haven't tied into i wonder at this point so i i don't know you know i i find it interesting it's just a very interesting release. And it feels to me like it's not their main release. Like I feel like we're going to get another announcement in the next month. Yeah. That's the real, Oh, here's our real next book for whatever, mm-hmm. because we just got to, I mean, not even moving into the next item yet, but the, we just got an, another unearthed arcana right away at the top of the, yeah. at, at the top of 2020 already too. On top of all the unearthed arcanas we talked about and none of these classes that are coming with the wild mount book were in the in the ua i don't think did we ever see dunamancy did we ever see echo Knight? did we ever see uh um, not with
0: those names and i mean we saw like psionics yeah. and stuff and that's why i feel like this is matt's baby and so he's been playtesting this rather than wizards of the coast sending it out we might get in the next month a play test for dunamancy and all that other stuff but it seems kind of like that was tested in-house but you're right yeah um, we haven't seen an unearthed arcana for any of those concepts so i don't know
1: and i feel like this book is written and done just not shipped and printed yet right oh so probably. i don't i don't know if we'll get any like feedback on or if we'll see play tests. maybe we will but i i don't know if we i will. Would, I, I would like put money
0: on a playtest for that yeah i feel yeah. like they're doing it in-house or something like just because of that i don't know
1: Yeah. And if anybody's wondering how or what information we're seeing, most of the information you can get on this came from D&D Beyond did several videos throughout the day on that Monday of the announcement. And they were the really the big push of here's what's coming. We're going to interview Matt and he's going to talk about these different things. So he talks about some of the classes that are coming, subclasses. He talks about the new monster stuff. He talks about the items. He talks about some of the, different types of magic that's going on he talks about the four worlds now the one thing i really like about um that they did say and it's it's marked in our notes here they're going to give you four campaign starting points in four different regions of this place called Wildmount. Mm-hmm. so if you want to do one in the north here's a setup for that if you want to do one in the west here's what that's like if you want to do one in the east here's what that's like and here's one in the south I kind of wish we had one like that for Forgotten Realms that said, "Okay, you want to do your campaign? You want to do Sword Coast? Here's your setup. You want to do, you know, Sea of Fallen Stars? Here's your setup. You want to do the Moonshae Isles? Here's your setup. You want to do that's whatever?" The, that's Chul, the campaign book
0: for fifth edition that all the Forgotten yeah. Realms people really want. Like Sword Coast Adventures Guide was fine, but it was not. It's not the campaign setting book people wanted for Forgotten Realms. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. So I'm interested to see that. I'm hoping that when we read it, it it reads like the books that have I've really enjoyed reading. Ravnica, I loved reading through it. The way they put that together and the way they, <clears throat> the stories in it, the way they, mm-hmm. they pull you into the world was awesome. The other one that did it really well was Secrets of Saltmarsh. That one really grabbed me. So I hope mm-hmm. that's the style that we see this book in because if it is, then all my fears or all my, uh, hesitation will go away because as i'm reading it i'll get into it and i'll be like okay now i want to run it now i now i understand it
0: and matt um, mercer's a charismatic guy and and i was just thinking like i really liked matt colville's strongholds and followers because it was in his voice and it was just kind of fun to read like you read it and it felt like matt was talking to you about this cool thing he was excited about and yeah. if this book comes across like that, like if Matt Mercer is talking to me and, and he's really excited about all of this, I could see myself really enjoying it as well, so.
1: Right. yeah, And yeah, somebody said also, yeah, we've just seen a release that there's supposed to be a DC Universe setting coming for 5e that we've heard about. Really? And there's definitely plenty of other third-party so groups. Somebody
0: everybody can be
1: Batman? Dude, I'm guessing, doing 5e. <laughs> Um, I know Monty Cook said they're doing their book. He's bringing Tolus back, P-T-O-U-L-L-U-S, yeah. which was his big super city campaign that he did back when he was at Wizards of the Coast, and uh, so they're going to do that as a as a redone fifth edition and for a Numenera mm-hmm. or Cipher System. So yeah, that's they're, gonna they're be
0: bringing cool. Numenera to fifth edition. That was a Kickstarter a while back. So yeah,
1: yeah, really. So exciting. there there's still plenty of information for those of us that love Five E to go out and get. I feel like this is a book that will probably do well because there is a large critter community that will, that will buy and purchase the book. I mm-hmm. don't know if you're not a critter fan. If you just happen to be browsing on the shelf, mm-hmm. it might grab you, you know, you, you might pick it up and say, well, I don't know. I've got this Eberron one. I, and I'm looking at the cover. I really want I'm to flip through it. it.
0: And then I want to make my yeah. choice if I want to get it or not. Uh, Cause I, I guess a lot of these books I buy, real quickly. I pre-order. I'm really excited. I want it the day it arrives kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. But this one I was like, no, I, I think I'm going to wait. And um, yeah. <laughs> Saltmarsh was like that. And I was like, I think I'm going to wait. And I flipped through it and I'm like, this is really cool. And then I picked it up, you know? So.
1: Yeah. I loved reading that first little chapter in Saltmarsh. It was so good. Even though I haven't, I haven't ran it. It's been one of my first, one of my favorite first reads. Mm-hmm. Um, that one in Ravnica really grabbed me from, from the, previous couple of books the other ones have been good and and, you know descent to avernus has been good Uh, all those books have been really good i mean i i'm loving tomb of annihilation this week this wednesday is my final game (gasps) final session of tomb of annihilation spoilers and then we're going to be starting a whole new campaign and we're going back we're going to Waterdeep. we're going to jump back to that campaign um so it is interesting and there's definitely lots of stuff out there so even though I don't know if I'm going to be a huge fan of this book, I'm still excited that we're getting a book. I think it's going to be cool. And I, I'm i excited to see how some of these subclasses play into yeah. the meta of what's going on. Being able to make some of these characters on D&D Beyond is going to be cool. Um, and I'm curious to see where we go for 2020 because I this definitely, they've got a lot planned. I, I feel like the 2020 year is going to be a big year for them. How do you not do the D 2020 year. (laughs) How do you not make that just huge and just like send out all the different campaigns. And if it was me, I'd be like, let's just blow it out. Let's just do everything this year. And even if it's too much, we don't care because it's year 2020 and we're just going to go crazy and nuts. Um, But I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see what they're, what they're going to do. And I felt like this might be, we might look back at this year from now. So we're at show 100, all of you that are going to be here for show 200, when we come back, we want to do a look back. I want is a clip clip. We'll, yeah, I'm going to play this clip. Yeah, I'm going to play this clip right now where Lucian says <laughs> this might be the spot where Pathfinder comes back into prominence because D and D makes a misstep of some sort where yeah. the community makes the turn because they've been so high on how great D D is but there's always a turn there's always a fall somewhere in there it might be six years in it might be seven years in it might be 10 years in and then the turn happens and then everybody wants to play something else i wonder if this is the pathfinder turn where it comes back to prominence like it did back in three five starts to go down 4e starts to get released and then everybody wants to play pathfinder instead including the great matthew mercer who was playing a pathfinder campaign instead of a dungeons and dragons campaign at the time because that system they enjoyed more at that time and there were a lot of people that loved pathfinder before they get it going yeah he can sir if i could
0: flip over my table right now i would but there's (laughs) expensive computer hardware on it
1: (laughs) how dare you meet me outside (laughs) that is it let's go (laughs) so yeah we'll see Episode 200, we'll come back and we'll check that clip and we'll see if I was right or not.
0: Uh, Yeah, moving. Speaking of 2020, um, there has been no mention of D&D Live for a 2020. Until until a couple days ago when Greg Tito, uh, literally January 16th, two days ago, um, somebody, oh, Dale Kingsmill, uh, Mm she has a YouTube channel, she's really cool, um, from Down Under. Um, she's talking about taking a trip to Seattle and like, I don't know. And then Greg Tito's like, well, there's always D&D Live 2020, hint, hint. But Mm -hmm. it was usually, anyway, that's, that's all. We don't need to like super talk about that because it's all speculation, but uh, apparently there's going to be a D&D Live event.
1: Um, I think we knew that there had to be because those type of things to get those venues, you have to book them a year in advance or more. So they must have already, back when they had done the big descent to Avernus, they were already saying, we want to make it bigger and better, which means we already have to commit and mm-hmm. get the room. So they couldn't, there's no way to back out at this point. What I am surprised about is they haven't said anything about it yet as far as what's going on. They haven't even given us a hint. Is it a wild mount d d online event, three-day weekend type thing, four-day weekend kind of thing? Is it a new campaign in Forgotten Realms, yeah, which is story. probably more like, you know, what, what we would expect. Is it doing something they haven't done yet? Is it turning into a convention, kind of like Gen Con turned into a convention when they were the big player there? And yeah, there was other stuff, and there was there was plenty of other things to go, but they made it big. They, they helped get that thing off the ground. And is this another one of those type of things that we're going to see where this is the start of a convention that grows out to be Come out like a PAX, mm-hmm. which is going on right now. A bunch of people are at pack south, south, we're seeing. Yeah. So, everybody's down at pack south having a, having a good old time. So, that's cool. So, um, I wonder,
0: yeah. And then we touched on this a little bit, but uh, new subclasses, new unearthed arcana. Um, we have the barbarian path of the beast, monk way of mercy, paladin oath of the watchers, and warlock the noble genie uh barbarian path of the beast kind of feels like you're like a werewolf kind of thing i love it tails and claws and and attack that way Uh, i want to play it so bad the monk way of mercy was kind of like a healing monk you can use your key to like heal wounds and do things like that which Mm -hmm. is kind of cool um i don't remember oath of watchers i read it i literally did but i don't remember it is it uh what do you remember
1: yeah, yeah. Is it so, forgettable?
0: Because I forgot
1: about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was so focused on Path of the Beast because yeah. I was so good. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what the whole Oath of the Watchers was. Um, and then uh,
0: my personal favorite, something that I've ooh. wanted for a long time, is a warlock patron that is a genie. And reading this, so I was most excited about the warlock. Reading it, they did not go in a direction that I anticipated at all for how they were going to make a genie warlock work. But uh, I kind of like it. I thought it was different and fun. And I, I'm i like, I would play this character. Like a, a pseudo-support warlock that you, like, tether yourself to another person. And then mm-hmm. you can kind of, like, share damage and, and cast spells from their perspective. And uh, it, it made it may i don't know it was really interesting i i i was not anticipating it and it's not the warlock genie i wanted but I like it, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Oath of the Watchers was fighting like the great old one, Cthulhu monsters or uh, aberration mm. stuff and, okay. and that kind of th- things that were trying to break into our universe kind of stuff. That's what it was, yeah, and that sounded, that did sound pretty cool. And you're right, the the noble genie was, I think, a really cool idea for a patron. I'm, I just got done reading a book, Dungeoneers, which is I brought up a few times in their third book, they are tasked with going and um, checking out this pyramid that is being run by a trapped genie. And what the genie does is uses magic to make the pyramid respawn everything so that adventurers can go, they pay to go in, they do their thing and they come out and they sell all their trinkets and then they get to pay to go back in. And the genie resets it with magic all the time because this, this ruler has caught it and it's turned into a money scheme. So it's kind of a funny thing. I thought, Oh, that's such a cool, funny tie in that, there's this whole genie and he talks about this whole genie world that is outside of the regular world where all of the genies live and where all they're ha- where they hang out. And every now and then one of them gets captured and brought to our world and is not allowed to go back. And that's where the stories of the genie stuff comes from it in this book. And I thought, Oh, that's kind of a cool twist. That's a cool take. It'd be interesting to maybe do a, a campaign based on that Ver- you know, this idea of a trap genie that you're maybe trying to help. Um, and maybe it's trying to, it, it helps you in some ways to try to help get, um, freed. It's always about being imprisoned in some way. So there's a cool theme there about that kind of thing, kidnapping or the idea of, um, the the gilded prison you know this oh it's it's a prison but it's nice it's got cool silk sheets and pillows and and everything's great and the food tastes wonderful but it's still a prison and Mm -hmm. how do you get your players to understand that and want to be sympathetic to the genie who might be trapped in that way so it's a cool theme that you could play out so yeah that one so that whole unearth arcana i felt like was really strong it feels dan dylan definitely Has a lot of fingers in this one. I think Dan Dillon was working at what was it, Cobalt Press before doing Mm -hmm. stuff like with classes and things. And you can tell that they brought him on board now and there's doing that same kind of stuff Mm -hmm. because these all felt pretty, pretty strong to me. Even some people are like, Oh, I don't really need the way of the mercy monk, but really every class at this point is gonna have some healer option. Yeah. And that allows the player not to have to say, well, all right, we're going to start a campaign. Who's playing the cleric? Who wants to play the cleric because we have to have the cleric. And if the cleric's the only one that can heal, then somebody has to play the cleric because we have to have the cleric. But we don't have to do that in 5e Dungeons & Dragons. We can play a complete campaign with no cleric at all and have plenty of healing and plenty of stuff. In fact, my Tomb of Annihilation group has no cleric. You know, we we have other ways that healing comes in and does things. Um, in my Seeking Revenor campaign with the main group has no cleric. They just, they run, you know, all these other classes that have healing in some way, druids, paladins, whatever it might be. And I like the idea that you might get monks, you might have a healing warlock in there, you might have a healing. I think the only thing we don't have is a healing wizard, but maybe maybe we'll get that at some point Well, too. and uh,
0: some, like, I don't know, the 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 idea the stereotype is that people don't like playing healers, but that is wrong. People do enjoy playing healers. So let's say this monk, it's like, well, why we don't need a monk that heals. If you're playing a monk, you want to like punch stuff and do things like that. And it's like, no, I, even though I'm a monk or even though I want to play a monk, I tend to lean towards a support role. And this is the class for me. So Mm -hmm. like, that's kind of how I look at it because you could play a bard and be full support. You know, yeah. inspiration to your party members, curing, healing, getting rid of things, all this other stuff. Or you could play a bard that is full attack, and that's one class that has two different aspects to it. So why can't other classes have that kind of like, yeah. like, this monk thing? So I, I didn't find any problem with it. Um, you were talking about kobold Press, and yeah, if you guys are interested in some extra like spells yeah, I just went and, and looked magic at and their classes, stuff. deep magic. Uh, they have a whole line of of PDFs that you can buy called Deep Magic. And I'm, I'm looking at, like, 19 I think I have here. Um, yeah. Clockwork magic, rune magic, shadow magic, ring magic, dragon magic, hieroglyphic magic, that time cool. magic, combat divination, winter magic. It's, there's lots of really cool stuff here. So, uh, Cobalt Press has been putting out a lot of nice stuff for d and 5e. And actually, they're, they're doing a Kickstarter soon for Tome of Beasts 2. I don't know if you saw that, but they're going to have another. I'm all in.
1: I got their Tome and Beast 1 up on the shelf right now and it's been good. So yeah, I can't wait for another one. I use
0: that a lot. So really cool. Anyway, uh, I'm excited for Unarthricana. It looks like they really are pushing into getting new subclasses for us. So we're going to get a Xanathar type book at some
1: point. Well, here's my question. Looking at that group of four, does it lead you into thinking any one campaign would fit these four to show up in a book? Do these feel mm. like Ravnica? Do these feel like um, Dark Sun? Do these feel like no. uh, Greyhawk? Do these feel like? Because
0: um... the other barbarian was like a Fey magic barbarian, which made me think that you were gonna do like a Fey Wild Shadowfell book, um, mm-hmm. but with the Psionics and and this and and if we add that and you kind of put it all together, I'm like, I don't. This doesn't really compute for Jordan um so yeah. i don't know so like, it's do feeling you, more you like you're, you're back to a
1: xanathar's is that what you're thinking back to a non-campaign yeah. specific i think it's going to yeah. be
0: like here's some new subclasses for you so
1: i think um, that's what it is i think they're building up for another big subclass book because Xanathars um,
0: sold really well and i, I, love I think that book. those books sell better than campaigns because only dms really buy campaigns and not every dm is going to buy a campaign book yeah but every player is going to want new options and they're going to buy this so
1: yeah and i can't i can't imagine the number of xanathar's books i've seen at the table already mm-hmm. while i was playing so there's people buying that left and right and they weren't dms yeah. <laughs> they weren't dms at all so definitely xanathar i definitely want another xanathar's guide at this point and i want more spells I want more cool magic items. I want more cool mechanics that we can play around and swap around into our games. And I definitely want more subclasses. Uh I wouldn't even mind another one or two main classes though. I feel like they're shying away from that and they're trying to fill all the gaps with just subclasses and keeping the ones they have the 12 now 13, if you go with artificer, but I don't know. That's just an arbitrary number on their part. There's no reason you couldn't do more classes to fill holes instead of more subclasses to fill holes, but it's all the same because it's just playing mechanics and what you get to do with as a player and what, what can you do as a concept for a character Mm -hmm. and you can play anything now in D and D five E. like you can take any cool, fun character that you've seen in a movie or a TV show or a book or a comic or whatever it is. And you can say, how can I make this in 5e? And there's a way to do it even right now, even with just the options that are there right now, you made iron man. You could make, uh, I did a black Panther that would work out comic book wise. You could do, you could make the witcher at this point. You could make any of those using all the options that are out there. So that's, what's really cool about it. So Mm -hmm. it's great. I'm, I'm loving it.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children and mice, hamsters of all ages. Uh, I reached out to our good friends at Dice Dungeons. You can check them out at DiceDungeons.com. Sponsor they make, of today's show. They Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. Uh, they make <laughs> really cool tabletop RPG stuff, and they sent us um, a $100 worth of items to give away. Um, so if you check the YouTube chat, and I'll put it in Twitch chat too, um, you can go and sign up for – actually, I want to refresh this and see – yeah, we already have 127 entries, so that's awesome. Nice. Um, so I'll put it in Twitch chat, uh, and uh, if you if you click that link uh, and all and but, but words, uh, there's a link that says check out the prizes, which will take you to Imager so you can kind of see. Uh, I took some pictures of them this morning, um, but go enter, uh, and I'm going to show off a little bit of the stuff we have right now. So uh, Dice Engine sent us cloth battle maps. So these are they're they're fun. They're cloth. Um, this easy one needs to, to travel to be ironed, with, um, but easy yeah. to travel with. You roll it up and you can lay it down. Super mm-hmm. cool stuff. Um, they also sent us some, and, and there are two, two of those maps actually. So, uh, and I, that one was mine cause I have one, um, but this is an ocean and the one I just showed you. So you get two mm-hmm. of those. Uh, they make a lot of coins. And so they made um, inspiration coins. And these are coins that you can hand to your player to remind them they have inspiration if you're a bard or a dungeon master if you use inspiration. And so you get three of those and a fancy dice bag. Um, mm-hmm. They also make monster token coins. Very and, cool. And uh, these are, uh, this is like a zombie.
1: <laughs> and then on
0: the back is got it scratched through when it dies or when it's at half health or something like that. Yeah. And there's uh, four of, yeah, four of those. Five of those. Sorry, I've got, I'm losing count. And they also come in a nice little uh, dice pouch. Um, I used
1: to do that. We used to have pennies yeah. and nickels and quarters on yeah. our mat back in the day when we didn't have minis and we had a big battle going. That was that's so 80s for me. It's yeah. awesome.
0: No, it's super fun. Uh, we have a rolling mat, uh, mm-hmm. which is really really awesome. Snap together. Um, and it snaps and... together. It's got the Dice Dungeons logo in the center. It is purple. And then uh, the piece, the or the the main prize, I think, is this metal set of dice,
1: which um, I'm gonna buy. And they've got another Kickstarter coming for some other, some more stuff too, pretty they,
0: soon. Well, their Kickstarter's out for a new set of dice. So if you want to check that out, go go to Kickstarter, yeah. search Dice Dungeons. But uh, yeah, these are these are just really, really they're metallic, so they're heavy. Really pretty dice. Um, they're awesome. And all of this will be going to one lucky person. Um, all you have to do is click the gleam link to enter our giveaway um, and maybe say thank you, Dice Dungeons for being like such a like, yeah, they were really cool because I, I just asked them, I'm like, hey, we're gonna do this thing. like I could give away some stuff, but if you guys want to, we'll talk you up and blah blah blah. and they were like, on it and they sent us hundred dollars worth of stuff.
1: Yeah, um, so, really so cool. cool.
0: Uh, lo- really nice people. They're gonna be at Gen Con this year. So if you if you do see them at their booth, tell them Jordan sent you in, and that uh you you love their stuff and all that other stuff. Uh yeah, so go enter the giveaway. Um it's gonna run for I think five days and then I will email the winner and then we will announce the winner if they have accepted the prize. Uh I will we will announce it on the next Saturday morning D D show. So next Saturday. Um but, Very yeah, cool. Really Ah, it was so cool. So I'm so excited yeah. that we got to do that for episode 100. It's going to be lots of fun. Um,
1: and So thank you, yeah. Dice Dungeons, for sure, from us, just in case you happen Absolutely. to be watching or if you're watching later. Thank you so much for, for that, because it's super cool. And everybody in the community, definitely just go to their website. Even if you if you don't win... Just go to their website, look around, even just getting eyes on their stuff on there. Just looking at it. Even if you can't buy anything right now, it's cool. I'm going there to buy some of the cool dice because I love that little tin. I like their logo that's on top of it. They're, the way they're doing stuff that's really cool. I love it. And I'm, I'm jumping over there to buy yeah. a few things too. They're, they're, so it's cool. Oh,
0: they're so fun. They're really cool
1: people.
0: <laughs> um, so that is our thank you to you. Uh, you guys have been supporting us, watching us. We have... Um, a really close group of fans and uh, with the discord and everything else. And it's just been super fun to have you guys uh, interact with us, watch us live, check out the podcast um, and meet us in person, meet us in person. That's always been really fun too at gen cons and things like that. So, so just thank you. And uh, Hmm. I'm really excited. I, for the lucky winner of all of this stuff, I will be personally mailing it out. Um, If you don't live in the U S you are more than welcome to enter uh if i check that you're in germany and it's going to cost me a hundred dollars to mail this to you i might select a new winner uh i don't want to say don't enter if you're outside of the u.s but i i really i i want to send it to somebody in the u.s because it's a lot of money to get it even to canada it gets really expensive to send it off to stuff but um but that is that is the situation we are in with that so thank you again dice dungeons you're awesome yes um We have a mailbag episode, and this is going to be a longer episode, by the way. I think we're going to go till, I don't know, a half hour over, maybe longer. We'll see. Um, But, and originally it was going to be nothing but mailbag, but then we had all this news to talk about Mm -hmm. um, that we didn't want to, like, not talk about. Um, But also, uh, games this week, I wanted to talk about, uh, I had a TPK yeah, in my salt Let's Marsh get into game, that. the entire dare you? game is done and over with. We we talked about it at the table and it yeah, there was just no way for me to salvage what was gonna happen. So the I, anyway, I'll get into what it is. So
1: how, how does a 5E these day five E heroes get killed? I am a dungeon master I can't seem to ever kill my players. So <laughs> how did this even happen with superhero like characters in uh, 5e? Yeah. I'm I'm all about hearing how this happened.
0: Uh, so they're level seven and they're in, um, a dungeon and the dungeon, the part of the salt marsh book is called the final enemy and they're supposed Mm -hmm. to scout around and get information on the Sahagwin, um, and report back. So it's different to me because the dungeon has, uh, three entrances, uh, one at the top that is not in the water, and then two at the bottom level that are in the water. One of them is barricaded off that they can't get to it, but for but they decided to swim around and and find like a, a back door entrance. So they did. And they went in through the back door. and so they kind of explored from the third level and went up. To rather than I think the book kind of assumes that you're going to go from the top level down, but they did it in reverse. But that's Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like if, there, if there's mm-hmm. an entrance, you should be able to do it this way. And that's what they did. Um, the the big problem is that levels three and two are underwater. Everybody can breathe underwater except for the dwarf barbarian. And he has to chug a water potion every hour. They have a lot of them but he has to chug a water potion every hour. So they couldn't long rest under the water. Mm. I think the big failing decision was that they decided to press on and, and go up to try and find, they knew that the first level was outside of the water. So they tried to go, uh, they were like, well, we'll just climb up till we're no longer out of the water and then we'll take a long rest. But they didn't exactly know how to get there. Um, They did a short rest, and they literally had to go north or south. South would have taken them to the top layer out of the water, and north took them to the boss of the entire dungeon, and they (laughs) went north. Um, A little, I think they were a little, like, cocky for lack of a better word,
1: but (laughs) not anymore. They're not. Well, so they, they
0: were listening and they went around the corner and I said, uh, you guys hear, I had a moral perception and I'm like, you guys hear some voices. And so the barbarian swung, swum up to the the entrance and kind of was listening. And he's like, well, what do I hear? And I told him what he hears. And I, and I said, do you want to peek around the corner? And he's like, well, how many voices do I hear? And I'm like, well, you hear two voices. He's like, okay. And So he swims back and he's like, guys, there's two people over there. I think we can take them. And the rest of them are like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so they, I was like, are you guys stealthing? Are you sneaking in? What do you want to do? And they were like, no, we just kind of walk just in two. casually. Like, we're going to interrogate this guy. It's going to be awesome. So they walk into pretty much a throne room. There are two sharks. Uh, a four-armed Sahaguin, like, guy on a throne, his priest, uh, two other soldiers, and one regular Sahaguin that is, like, talking to the to the guy on the throne. And everybody stops talking because they just walk right in. And it was at that moment they realized that they had made a bad choice. And we rolled initiative. Uh, we started playing. Uh Sahaguin has a uh a a trait called bloodthirst or blood frenzy. So anybody that is at lower than your max hit points, a Sahaguin has advantage on that attack roll. Um, oh boy. And and that's what it was. It just went downhill. So between the sharks that have blood frenzy, between all of the Sahaguin that have blood frenzy, uh they tried to like barricade and I'll give them credit like the paladin lasted uh, I think two and a half rounds, uh, but I just kept rolling natural twenties and I kept doing all this other stuff. it retreat wasn't an option because uh a lot of our players had swim speed, but one the artificer only had a swim speed of ten feet because he's not he's just not in a place to get out uh fast enough., uh, he had no swim speed uh it was yeah, it was just bad news bears, so they got annihilated uh my
1: they got wrecked
0: like super wrecked (laughs) they they took out one of the sahaguan but the rest of them just like ate them, ate them for breakfast Did anybody
1: try to run or did they just like so uh, they nailed us they were
0: thinking about running but uh the barbarian i used the sorry the sahaguan priestess had the spell banishment so she cast banishment on the barbarian he disappeared from existence they mopped up everybody else And then the barbarian reappeared. All of his friends are dead and they like mobbed him and attacked him to death. Uh, And, and here's the thing is like, I wanted the Sahaguan to take them captive, but I was thinking about their personalities and I'm just like, no, they wouldn't do that. They would just (laughs) kill you. Like you're an outsider. They're preparing for war on salt marsh. There is absolutely no reason that they would keep you alive to interrogate you or anything. And no they're going to kill you so they they killed him and we talked about it we're kind of like i don't see a reason i don't see a way for you guys to like come back or to even make new characters does that make sense like to make new mm-hmm. characters and and kind of uh uh start up where we left off because right. it just it's done. it just i feel like it's done so no yeah. where they were upset uh, but not, like, angry. I think they all understood that it was like, this happens and it's part of the game, and without this risk, the game loses all kinds of, 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 uh, I don't know, like, like, thrill, excitement. Like, you have to have that, that, there has to be that thing, Dang, sort of Damocles has to be right over your head in order for you to get that excitement of, like, we could die, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, there it's any, a cakewalk.
1: Was there any blame pointed at you, like, it was your fault this happened and not their fault or did they totally fully realize this was their fault
0: um I think a lot of them thought they were like no we, we we should not have investigated or we should have we should have stealthed in we should have like maybe peeked around the corner to see what was there um I don't I didn't feel a lot of blame on my part uh, I no. did roll a lot of natural 20s including a natural 23rd <laughs> level guiding bolt for my priestess who did 12 D6 damage to the bard and one shot at him. Um, so that was really fun. But uh, no, I, I don't feel a lot of blame. I think they were just disappointed that it's like, well, I don't know. But we also have a lot of games we want to play. Um, so yeah. this is another excuse for us to jump into that other game. Um, and by the end of the night, we were all talking about this level 13 campaign we're going to play or a one shot i um, talking about new called, characters. Well, not new characters. <laughs> we're gonna play old characters. But in our in our custom game that um my DM runs, uh, we lost to one of our players, lost his character called his let's his name is Lorenzo. And Lorenzo got sucked into basically a black hole and is gone. And so this one shot is called the search for Lorenzo, and we're gonna try and find him and get him back um and everybody and so it's one of those happy things like at the end of the game we're like oh we lost but then everybody went home so excited for the next game that we're going to play and i think <laughs> that's the magic of dungeons and dragons but i have never had yeah. a tpk that was so blatantly like decisive yeah like, just... like i was just like it's over guys like there's no yeah. coming back from this and then the sahaguan invade salt marsh salt marsh falls because you weren't there to protect it wow the whole city is done
1: you know, did you do like an epilogue scene at the end? Where did you do that? Did you say like, here's, here's what happened. You guys didn't yeah. defeat this. They spread out, you know, and they do this. And now this place is no. have oh, I cool should have done
0: that. Maybe, maybe oh. no, I no, We just kind of talked about like what could have happened and things like that. Cause yeah. they were curious where the story would have gone. Cause I mean, uh, Saltmarsh marsh goes till you're like level 12 or 13. Uh, and I feel yeah. really bad cause Nathan bought me a, christmas present that was that wooden boat that i unboxed a, around december yeah and he's like no i really want this you, i want you jordan to have this boat so when we get our boat in salt marsh we have a boat to like move around at the table and i'm like well we don't we don't have that now <laughs> maybe so a different
1: campaign it's we a, can use the it's boat. It's a cool boat
0: though so <laughs> no it's just crazy so that was my my tpk and i don't know funny you gotta Very have that, that danger though. That danger has to yeah. be real, you know.
1: So salt marsh killed. Well, I'm sh- I'm sure we're gonna die in the tomb of annihilation. So I'm sure Maybe. that's coming. <laughs>
0: what
1: level are you guys? We just hit level. I want to say eleven or twelve, because right at the end of the session, the assumption is going to be that we have a long rest and we'll we'll get our points and we'll we'll be there. So I think I'm eleven or twelve. So that's about as far as we made it.
0: Uh, which okay. is pretty
1: good, which I is think, a pretty powerful yeah, war wizard okay. at level 12 okay. is bad. Pretty good. So, it'll be okay. <laughs> but you're going up against a lich, so you never know. Yeah. Right?
0: Will, uh, William <laughs> and Chad actually has a really good idea where he's like, you should have a new adventure with a new group that tries to reclaim Saltmarsh after they're yeah. taken over by Sahagwin. Ten, and five
1: years later. Exactly, or like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now Saltmarsh is, is, is overrun. a Sahagwin city. They've sunk
0: yeah. it under the water. And new adventurers have to come in and take it over. I want to play that campaign. (laughs) That would be really fun. And we could start at like level seven or eight with brand new characters. Um, I think my group wants to do not that. Uh, I think they're excited for other games. But uh, that's a perfect example of how even a total party kill, a terrible loss doesn't necessarily mean that the game is over. So keep that. No, because
1: we can be so excited for what's next. Like, even if it's not continuing on, we can say, now we're going to do this thing that we've all been wanting to do. So we can do that thing too, or I can try this new thing I want to do. And yes, I loved my character from before and Mm -hmm. I'd hate to see that character go, but man, now I can embrace this next step. Or as a dungeon master, now I can embrace this different storyline that I've been wanting to do. That's all about zombies taking over the world whereas now we're done with salt marsh it's cool i can kind of explore that or i can explore yeah. the Feywild wild more that i wanted to do or or let's go to the shadow fell or you know whatever it might be so yeah i i think going into it i think that's the talk you have when you start your campaign is hey guys we're gonna have this great campaign it's gonna be awesome if something happens and we all die embrace it mm-hmm. love it you know we're gonna then we'll do this next cool thing so it's it'll be okay so i like that i i enjoy being able to think about the next thing because the most exciting part of any campaign is the week leading up to the start of that campaign as you're building (laughs) your character and you're talking to the people that are going to play and as a dungeon master you're thinking about all these things you want to do or can do or might happen all that time that's the biggest moment of excitement for any campaign is right at the beginning so
0: I'm going to 100% agree with you. So I, I'm i jumping towards the end of the show. We're not done by any means. But uh, I'm going to be a guest star on Indoor Adventurer's Four Keeps game on Monday ah. night. Uh, and he talked to me, and he's like, well, what do you want to play? And so Jordan pulls up his you know, big list of every character I've ever made that I want to play. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, well, what about this one? And I was, I was going to bring back Dirk the Kobold
1: Thief. Yeah, And I'm like, you
0: know, I played him in Lucian's <laughs> game and I have played him in, uh, our friend Casey, uh, well, my friend Casey ran it. She was in a game that she had me guest star on. And I played the kobold thief Dirk. And I was talking to Indor about this and he's like, that sounds pretty cool. And, I, and he's like, well, were there going to be in the underdark? And I was like, oh, do I have a drow that I've wanted to play for so long? <laughs> I was like, are drow in your world? And he's like, there are drow in my world. And <laughs> The, like, he's been giving me information about, because this is a custom world, so he's been giving me information mm-hmm. about the world. I'm contributing kind of like, well, I thought about this character like this, and he's like, I love it. What if we tweak it like this, and we've been going back and forth, and I'm just, I am so excited to play in this game. Um, it's just <laughs> like, I'm just guest starring, but like, I don't know. It's a character I've wanted to play for a long time. It's going to be a lot of fun, so be sure to check out Indoor Adventurer's channel on Twitch this Monday at I think uh 5 30 Pacific, and I will I will be in there and it's gonna be a lot of fun. Very good. Uh, cool. I'm I'm really excited, so that's gonna be that's <laughs> gonna be really fun. And and you but you're right, I'm so excited about this this silly character. And mm-hmm. I I don't know, it's just been really exciting. So <laughs> um now that it's an hour, let's get into our yeah. mailbag, I guess. Yeah. Uh we we uh, asked you guys to put a bunch of questions. I took um I took all of them, I think that I could find, and I put them into a, uh, a document here that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'll just kind of go down the line. We don't have to answer all of these. Um, if maybe I'll ask you one, Lucian, and you can ask me one, and we can kind of bounce back and forth. Sure. But, um, uh, Daniel Watson, Watson says, uh, biggest influence on your writing style or campaign D and D design their best works what what has influenced you in your uh your uh not salt marsh but um your uh
1: seeking revenue seeking
0: revenue game yeah like that one's you're working on
1: my my biggest influence has to be credited to two people for sure matt coville adam coble okay i i watch their shows i listen to their office hours i i watch their running the campaign videos And I really took a lot of their advice and then took my imagination of what I thought would be cool for what I wanted to play in, but taking their advice and how to make that cool and then doing that and letting my players jump in and and see what happens. And that has been cool. So West March's style game that I really like the idea of being open world in some ways, Mm -hmm. bringing in a little bit of the um, tie-ins to like, massively multiplayer online games. when We played MMORPG stuff and, and I wanted a big spanning world, but I wanted it tied back in and, but I needed mechanics to do those kinds of things. I needed ideas for good villains. I needed how to run good, um, encounters, um, things to keep in mind while playing and those kinds of things and all of that stuff. So those are my big influences. Um, and then, a little bit of throwback to bring some of the Greyhawk stuff back into um 5e so i converted some old modules or at least parts of them that i wanted into 5e and it was fun to go back and look at some of that old stuff and bring it back to the into the the mm-hmm. present now so those have been my big influences for my dnd 5e stuff um it's all come from kind of their advice and then some ideas that I had about oh this would be fun if I got to play in this kind of thing. So but what about you? What's been your for I mean you you've run a couple you've got a homebrew campaign and you ran several Wizards of the Coast official campaigns. Yeah. Where's your where's your influence coming? Well, What's the biggest influence on your The style? biggest
0: influence and I know that this <clears> sounds <throat> really cheesy, but and it's why I started my channel, my YouTube channel, I think it's just the mm-hmm. the Forgotten Realms novels. Like, I got really attached to those Drist novels, and while I was reading those is when Acquisitions Incorporated, the podcast, was also coming out. So I was listening to D&D, and then I was, like, reading these books, and I got really attached to the Underdark because of them. And then it was like, no, I'm going to take the plunge, and I'm going to, like, do this. And so uh, playing fourth edition Dungeons & Dragons, uh, I really got heavily involved in the realms and i was very confused and so then reading all of that uh i don't know when i started reading the lore and history of the forgotten realms and those campaign setting books i got so many uh ideas for campaigns and it's like i want to do this i want to go here i want to do an underwater campaign here and i was able to incorporate a lot of that into my um dungeons and dragons uh fourth edition game and i got a lot of it out of my system, I guess I'm like, Oh, I really (laughs) want to do this. And I want to have like a, like I I've talked about this before, but I really had this cool idea about a dwarf that wanted to mine the ocean floor. And then I got a whole like section of my campaign where my players were on a boat and they were like in submarines trying to mine the ocean floor. And I just thought that was really cool. And so I don't know. I, I, I was heavily inspired by those books, but, but like game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and like so many other things like there's lots of fantasy out there that has inspired me. Uh, and,
1: and Hot Springs Island, you did that big campaign. Yeah. Like
0: I, I just like, I like, um, complete worlds. And as I'm reading more of these, I like sandboxy things. Um, Mm. like this Shadowfell Gloomrod and beyond this fourth edition book. I'm loving it so much. And I have to prep some stuff for tomorrow's game and I just flip through it and I'm like, Oh, this is, Oh, perfect. And then I like build some monsters and we have a good time. So yeah, I think those have been pretty, pretty huge on on just like the process for me so yeah
1: very cool well thanks for the question Daniel Watson yeah.
0: um k dub says have you ever K-Dub. have had a campaign end before it was over and if you do uh, or if you did what caused it how did you fix it yeah if you had many games just end like that
1: yeah um, and before they're over the problem was me. Is in, in being a new dungeon master. I wasn't
0: going to say anything, <clears throat> but now they said yeah, it out loud.
1: And running out of steam, or not knowing where to take the campaign next, I've fallen into that trap a couple of times. And I've had just kind of stopped at some point and said, "Well, you know, I've ran out of ideas for this." So, hey guys, let's build new characters and do this new thing because I have <laughs> I have this new cool idea to do this other thing and let's play this other game and cool thing. So, I've had that happen. Now I'm trying to push through it with seeking or where. I, I hit a lull and I need to bring it back into a nice um, because it, once they tie up, tie up a, a story arc that you've had and you've worked on for so long,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes you don't really know what you're going to do next. And me yeah. and you have talked about your campaign where you know they finally beat the Black Pyramid. They still want to go home, but they haven't got home yet. But now how does that even work? Because mm-hmm you haven't really thought that far ahead or maybe your storylines haven't haven't progressed that far. Um, or like you just, we just talked about for for 20 minutes, a TPK could all of a sudden just, okay, we're done. And now let's talk about what we're going to yeah. do next. But for me, it's always been, um, it's not been my players who've not wanted to play. It's been me running out of ideas and me as a dungeon master, having to practice getting better at being a dungeon master helps push that further and further along before it happens but it still happens every now and then Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to get better at not letting it happen as much. So, you know, I'm taking lots of influences. I'm I'm watching lots of other people's games and how they do them because I've never ran a game for two years, a a two-year campaign, or I've never ran a, you know, a 10-year campaign. Some of these people have run 20-year campaigns, 30-year campaigns or whatever. And I've, I've never been able to do that yet. I'm still working on my skills as a dungeon master and storytelling in that way or setting up stories that can be told mm-hmm. and see how they happen. Um, so I'm working on it. I'm trying to get it, but yeah, right now it still comes down to, I run out of ideas and I have to try to think up what's the next thing. <laughs>
0: yeah, man, for me. Well, um, yeah. Uh, I I mean, this salt marsh game is a prime example of a game that just ended Um, but I guess I've been really lucky because, uh, I've had a good solid group of people that I've always played with and we take breaks, but we always kind of come back. And so the campaign is never really over kind of a thing. Um, we did have a fourth edition game where, and I, I, I mean, this is sad and I don't think I handled this the best way, but, um, we were, we were friends with this girl and her boyfriend and they wanted to play D D with us, and so we'd all play D and D. Well, they broke up, mm-hmm. and the girl decided that she's like, well, I just won't play D and D, so he can. But we we were like, well, no, we like you. Like, we don't, we're not really <laughs> attached to your boyfriend. We like you. So he would come, and it was it was just awkward, and we didn't know him, and uh, it was one of those things. And he was sort of running a game for us, but nobody was having a fun time, and mm-hmm. so we kind of, and, and I feel bad saying this, but we kind of just dissolved the group. And yeah. then a, a, a month later we called everybody up except for him and said, do you guys want to play? And then we, and right. that's, that's the group that I've been playing with ever since. Um, but it was just Sometimes one of those times where it happens, you know? And so yeah. that is a group that like I was running a fourth edition game and he was running a fourth edition game and fifth edition had just come out. So we kind of like, well, let's just stop all of those and we'll play fifth edition. Um, and Fourth edition, I was running a modified game of a second edition adventure called Rod, or yeah, Rod of the Seven Parts. Um it's oh, a good one. I'm really excited. Uh, I, I'm like pseudo announcing this now. I don't have I don't have all of the cards in place yet, but uh, I'm going to be running that as a fifth edition adventure in the Forgotten Realms, uh, probably starting this February. Um, streaming, oh we're going to stream it on Wednesdays, so that'll be really exciting. Um, I I don't have all of my players yet, so I'm still we're still figuring it out, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really excited to play that one again because I I love the lore and history behind that, and it's that's a Greyhawk adventure though, but I'm going to take it and put it in Forgotten Realms, so it should be really
1: cool. right, right, very cool.
0: Um, what tweaks to fifth edition rules do you use at your table?
1: Uh, since I run an open Uh, world kind of game we made some adjustments to when you can level up um, having to be back in town having to be if you want a long a long rest that's going to affect certain things Uh, we were doing things like to make travel short so that the episodes could all be about the RP and the action and the combat and not about us traveling from point A to point B, we turn that into like its own little mini game of doing like a survival check, doing a perception check, doing a a nature check and doing this other stuff that all kind of tells us what happens on the journey there and back. Mm -hmm. So we can kind of abstract that a little bit to save us time because we're running about three hour sessions on Twitch. So we Mm -hmm. wanted to make sure the action was all there that we could do that um so that was another thing we were also doing if you roll a one while you're da- on your damage uh, or on to hit then your weapon becomes less effective it becomes a minus one to damage until you mm. get it fixed by a blacksmith which has happened quite often in the campaign more than i ever thought it would um we we abstracted rations so we didn't have to worry about counting rations mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other any other mechanics. There might be, but those are the main mechanics. We also had a set of mounted combat mechanics that I created because I, I didn't like the way mounted combat worked the, in 5e mm-hmm. the way it is now. And I wanted it to be more dynamic, and I wanted to have more pluses and minuses. I wanted to be, yeah. oh, if you're going to do mounted combat, you're going to get this really cool thing, but here's the negative that you get with that. You get a really cool positive, but you also get a negative, right? Yeah. So, and I wanted to, and I wanted to make it dynamic, and I wanted to make it so it was more story driven and more dramatic um, of a choice to go through. So we we built some of those, but I think those are the ones that I did. Yeah, it kind of changes for, for
0: for games for me. Like Hot Springs Island, we had a couple of uh, survival mechanics that I had because it fit the narrative of that game, right. Um, and then my salt marsh game, I actually made the conscious choice to play exactly by the rules and not fudge dice, which was mm-hmm. another reason that we had the TPK. Because sometimes I'll be like, uh yeah, that was a two, natural 20. Uh, and <laughs> this time I'm like, "That's a natural twenty. I'm sorry, guys," uh, and it you know led to their downfall because I want people to have fun and you you can play the razor's edge and they can have a good time, um, but typically I only do that. Uh, Uh, It's a bonus action to drink a potion Mm -hmm. um, because I like that mechanic rather than an action to drink a potion. That's the official rule. Um, And I had another one that I do. Oh, I use inspiration differently. So I think inspiration by the rules gives you advantage on a roll. Mm -hmm. And I say you can use inspiration to re-roll a die. So uh, if, for example... uh, I, I think this is how damage the rule Yeah or no not throw, damage. Or... Only a D twenty. But I think oh, okay. I think how people use it is like, ooh, this is a really hard roll. I'm gonna use my inspiration to get advantage. So you hand me the coin and then you roll two dice and you, you have advantage. I let you roll the die and be like, Oh, that was a two. Okay, I'll take your inspiration coin and you can re-roll that. And that's kinda yeah. I like it that way. Um and it, it really they, they can kind of like stockpile inspiration for really difficult things. And, and I've had it at the table where this might feel broken, but I've had it at the table where someone's like, I want to roll, um, I roll a spell and it misses. And so they'll give me an inspiration coin and, and roll it again. Uh, it still misses. Somebody else gives me an inspiration coin and roll it again. <laughs> and they'll do that. Or uh, they can use it on a monster's resistance as well. So it's like Jordan, the monster makes a wisdom saving throw. They give me a coin, I have to roll it again and use whatever result is the new, the new result. So, uh, I And I one like other that, thing, that's fine. Yeah, one other
1: thing with inspiration we did is I allowed them to, when they're rolling their hit points to level up, they can you choose to use their inspiration to re-roll that die if they want
0: to. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Uh,
1: yeah. That question
0: from the lovely and talented LB Hack'em Up. Thank you, LB mm-hmm. Hack'em Up. Um, Skull Dixon says, "What is the dumbest thing about the Forgotten Realms?"
1: Uh, <laughs> well, you're the expert. Um, I think my my choices. What's the dumbest thing about the Forgotten Realms is that they don't have a five E, all encompassing campaign book out yet, and we're six years into it being their main That's their true. main realm. I think we really need because we've gotten a lot of Sword Coast, but we haven't gotten a lot of anything else. Yeah. And Forgotten Realms is a really big place. So, um. Um,
0: for me, I think, I think it was the big reset with the Sundering. Like they, they did a really cool thing with the Spell Plague, and and it changed the whole world. And I and I like that the world had ramifications. And if you wanted to, as a player, you could be like, well, I'm going to play in these third edition books. And then if you play in the fourth edition books, you have the Spell Plague. But then for fifth edition, they just reversed everything so it looks like a third edition book. And that, I think, is the dumbest thing. Where I'm like, no, there there should have been lasting consequences for that. So the people that want to play in a living, evolving world have that fifth edition book. Like, if you're going to call it the year 1492, it should reflect the Spell Plague. And then you could just say, well, I play in the Forgotten Realms, but I play in 1395 you know, and, hmm. and before the spell plague and stuff. So I think that's always bugged me because people hate on the, the spell plague. And so they they literally got rid of it. And I I don't know. I don't like that. So I got
1: one more. I got one more answer because Skull Dixon says that's a cheat answer. Here's my second answer. Okay. All of the naming conventions that Wizards of the Coast uses to name their NPCs in uh-huh. the Forgotten Realms is ridiculously stupid. They're hard. <laughs> None of the NPCs in Forgotten Realms have great names. They're all <laughs> terrible... Terrible NPC names. I don't know where they get them. I don't know where they come up with them, but they need a new naming index from somewhere. So that's my own opinion, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Danton the Magnificent, what is the best villain you have ever used in a campaign?
1: Best villain has been my evil druid. I think oh, it's been my best villain because it's this fanatic who believes civilization is what destroys worlds so he does everything he can to destroy anything that's civilized so temples and religions and and towns and villages and farm all of that stuff should be destroyed because that's what leads to the you know destruction and the world ending and, and that stuff so mm-hmm. he's <clears throat> he's not about balance. He's about just going after everything. And I put him in my Seeking Revenue game. And he had a big climactic battle that had another goddess come in and try to fight him because he's become that powerful. He's torn down temples and erased religions off the world. Mm-hmm. And our players kind of bump into him in the seeking revenue thing. And he's still out there. They they're they're gonna bump into him again. He has our campaign moved 50 years ahead with a new set of characters when yeah. we started up the second time. They haven't heard anything about this druid again in 50 years, something's been going on. So eventually they're going to figure out what's happened. And when he comes back, he's coming back with a vengeance. So that's that's been my favorite villain to play so far.
0: What's his his name? Does he have a name?
1: Nobody knows yet. (gasps) Well, my favorite villain- spoilers.
0: My favorite villain is the first one I created, which was Scatha the Purple Dragon. So my very first campaign of fifth edition that I was like figuring out, I, I wrote it myself and all this other stuff. It was, I was really excited. I had this idea. I was reading a lot about dragon lore and purple dragons are psychic dragons that live in the underdark. Um, they're not in Ooh. fifth edition, but I like homebrewed one for whatever reasons. And I had the whole campaign revolved around this cult of drow. We're worshiping Skatha, this purple dragon whose goal was to mind control the world. And if she could mind control the world, she could get the world to worship her. And if she got all of the worship, she could ascend and become a God. And that was kind of Mm -hmm. the idea from the forgotten realms. A lot of, a lot of gods get their power from their, their worshipers. And so if, if, if nobody's worshiping that God, they kind of fizzle out into non-existence. And I like this idea that all of these, uh, or that this, this, mind controlling dragon could ascend a Godhood if she could get enough people to worship her by mind controlling them. So these drow were like using her and, and we had a really cool fight. Uh, there was a fight against the drow um, that were trying to like raise Scatha to Godhood. Uh, they stopped that, but Scatha is still a large purple dragon and ended up coming. And so then they had to fight the dragon and stuff, but that was just really fun. Like I liked, it was a looming presence for a long time that culminated mm-hmm. into a really cool fight.
1: So I think it's funny. That's a theme that's been in both of our games. Like the, the McLancy waddle uh, adventure we did was the same thing of a goddess yeah. who used to be in Chult, but is no longer part of the, the Pantheon that we know now. So has no followers. The only way to get back is to get followers again. So their scheme is to somehow find a way to become prominent uh-huh. within the world once again. And yeah, so that's a cool forgotten realms theme that I like.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, gosh. And Scatha, I, I drew like a handmade symbol of Scatha. And like, mm-hmm. we were, it was, I don't know, I was really involved in that. Campaign. That's cool. I really like fun. it. Um, Josh Morgan says, What's on your game shelves?
1: You yeah. can see. I mean, there's all, <laughs> do you want me to read it all off? Well, it's what do you got? Crazy.
0: What's, what's, what's Alien at out? the
1: top for sure? Okay. That's my favorite right now from Free, um, from Free legan or Free League. Um, strongholds and followers is right there and then the DD shelf is right there so it's like all the DD books including gods and goddesses the baby beastery mm-hmm. um, all that stuff down then we got Overlight, which was a really cool book and then all of my um powered by the apocalypse games so like uh dungeon world urban shadows masks um all that stuff's down there Legendary down in the bottom of the board game we played at Gen Con that everybody, I think, had fun with, and I bought a bunch of expansions for that. Oh, and you can see uh, Keith Baker's Phoenix Dawn Command oh, RPG that I haven't played yet. Yeah, I still want to play it. And then over here we got <laughs> the Eenie Award, Forbidden Lands, which everybody's been talking about from Free League, yeah. too. Um, up at the top is all my Cypher System stuff and Warhammer. So we got the Strange Cypher System, Warhammer Fantasy, all the versions, versions one through four up there now, of all the books. Uh, Taldori campaign settings up there, uh, Predation. Tales from the Loop, one of the best games I've played. Um, it, the only game that's even close to it is Kids on Bikes, but I still think I like Tales from the Loop even better because it's just super cool. The, the City of Kings board game there that I bought at Gen Con, that box was so big that it broke my bag walking out of um, yeah. Gen Con. <laughs> Down at the bottom, I have a dragon that somebody got at a at a yard sale. Two headed dragon they gave me, which was cool. Then I have Gary Gygax's Dangerous Journeys box set. This is the game he created after he left TSR to no longer work for them and become his own. Writes a crazy RPG that's too hard for anybody to even to figure out. Um, and that's the stuff that's that's on my gaming shelf. Some stuff's still downstairs, but. That's cool. Those are the games. What? What about you? have Got well, some games behind you?
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> RPG wise, I've got uh, um, and I'm looking at like PDFs because I have PDFs of everything because I like get the to have cube. It here. Where's well, the cube? Yeah, How do you not is, have the cube? The cube is open and books are <laughs> scattered about, so I can't do that. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I have. Um, uh, I bought the. Uh, tiny d6 game which is really fun it's like a little rpg um that runs on a d6 system um dungeon crawl classics i have the main book um and then i got the kickstarter expansion book that has like more stuff for clerics and stuff uh did you get mcc i have a crawl Crawl classics classics as well Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um i got uh uh what else did I get? Invisible um, Sun. Invisible Sun. So Invisible Sun is that huge that. game that I'm like really excited about and want to run. Uh, and I got the, the map behind me, the path of the sun's behind me. So that's really cool. Kids on Bikes, I really like. Um, that's on my game shelf as well as Teens in Space. Um, Teens in Space. This is, yeah. And I got a...
1: You just got something like a week ago. Mothership,
0: or... I got. Um, Numenera.
1: You just ordered something.
0: I bought the Numenera 2. Numenera. Which was really exciting. Um, I have a Pathfinder uh it's a game master book for Pathfinder 1 and I bought it because it's a, it's actually a system neutral fantasy generator. and so you can flip through and like generate towns and cities with it. so and it was it was really cool. Uh, and so I, I bought that um, which is awesome. Tales from the Loop I also bought, which is really cool, the Dark of Hot Springs Island. Um, and uh, I think that's about all the games that I have. Oh, I
1: forgot two. Oh, and I've I got forgot. some
0: older uh Dungeons and Dragons games that I found at a my wife found at a yard sale and bought for me, so it's like the Fiend folio from second and first edition or something, but
1: I forgot a couple. Okay, what I do forgot you want
0: to, go ahead and tell me.
1: The fall of Delta Green, which <laughs> okay. is a kind of a Vietnam era RPG. Um I also forgot um Oh what uh, Part-time gods. That was a Kickstarter I did with part-time gods where you play some type of God that has an aspect. We played that on the channel, which was really cool. And the other one I forgot that was really cool is, uh, carbon 2180, 2185, a cyberpunk game that was kickstarted that I got too. So that was the other one. Uh,
0: and then as far as like, I'm not going to list all of my non RPG (laughs) games, but the ones that I really love are, uh, Oh, I have to read it. Uh, uh, Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards duel out Mount Skulls Fire. Um, I that's really a, like this mouthful. game; it's really fun, and the art is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I have the Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Card Game. That's another favorite of mine. And then we just got Azul for Christmas. And we learned how to play it last night, and that is really fun. So those are my new favorite three games um, that I that just like regular board games. But yeah, very cool, fun. Um, Good question from Josh. Yeah, thank you. What other fun questions do we have? Uh, uh, I want to find like a good one. What would you like to see at D&D Live 2020? Or who would you like to see? That's uh, from D&D
1: Elise. I would like to see Jordan at D&D Live. I would like to see myself at D&D Live 2020. I don't know if that'll happen (laughs) the way the schedules work. Um, Celebrity-wise, if I bumped into somebody, I was there, and I was like, oh, I hope this person's here. Um... I mean, I, I like talking with Jeremy Crawford. Mm. I mean, I got to talk to him at a couple of other conventions where I bumped into him before, and he is just a really fun dude to sit and just, and, and talk any, any discussion whatsoever. I think it's, uh, so I would love to bump back into him again at some point. Matt Colville Oh, yeah, you know, that'd be cool. I love yeah. talking to him in our interview, and I, I still love all the stuff he's doing and, and the whole MCDM crew. So, any of those people I'd love to bump into, I think that'd be cool. Um, those are probably the, my, my big What about you? What, who do you like to Uh
0: find? I really want to meet Chris Perkins, and I want to just talk to him about game design and adventure design, and like, because i don't know he's just been like because of the acquisitions games and things like that he's been a very strong influence in how idm and and stuff like that so i'd like to meet him and also pat rothfuss like he just seems like a really fun person and i would like yeah. to just be like you just seem. can we have a beer like i just want to hang out with pat <laughs> rothfuss he seems really cool um so yeah uh what are some of the most interesting oh. third-party content that you've seen or used
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one more answer oh, for the no, last question before I jump to it. Deborah Ann Wall, oh, who I yeah. think is the greatest dungeon master. I she's like the the person I love to watch right now with all the shows she does dungeon mastering because mm-hmm. she does some really cool stuff in her games. Her whole relics and, and rarities mm-hmm. show that she did was super fun and super cool, and uh, I think that'd be another cool person to bump yeah. into. So all right, what was the question? Uh, piston it,
0: piston power last says what are some of the most interesting third-party content that you have seen or used what what third-party stuff
1: do you use i jetpack seven puts out a bunch of stuff that i like Mm. to use we just talked about Cobalt press puts out a bunch of stuff that i like to use the gods and goddesses from jetpack seven was really cool and i love using that in my game obviously my superhero matt colville's strongholds and followers we're using that in our campaign and loving it it overpowers your players but <clears throat> just just throw CR out the window yeah. and throw really crazy stuff at them because they'll be able to survive it anyways with the crazy stuff that they get. So those are the two supplements that I'm using right now that I love and will probably continue to use because I, mm-hmm. I just like the stuff that they come with. So those are the um, two I'm using.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll say that like two Strongholds I, I like and I've used. Um, uh, Kobold Press, I, I haven't used their magic or cl- custom classes, but I use the monsters from Tome of Beasts and Creature Codex a lot. And those are really good. Uh, Frog God Games came Another out good with um, a book called Book of Lost Spells. And it's mm-hmm. not the best, like some of them are overpowered and things like that. But if you have players that have the PHB and Xanathers memorized, it's really fun to drop these weird spells on them. And they're like, what is this third level like sand blade? What is this? And it's like, well, you make a you make a, a short sword out of sand, and they're just quirky, fun, weird spells. And so I've gotten a lot of use out of that to just kind of drop uh, spells for wizards and stuff. And I, I like doing that because it's it's interesting to me. Um, as far as like the DM's Guild, I don't know. There's lots in there. There's a uh, uh, I, I yeah. want to use this thing called Forgotten Realms deities where somebody mm-hmm. went through and they all of the forgotten realms deities they went through and made um like custom classes for clerics and paladins um, mm-hmm. that would follow that deity and so you get really cool stuff which i if i ever get to play um, Elgath in from your McLancy Waddle's game i wanted to like switch him from a death cleric to like a loviatar cleric using that supplement because i think that yeah. would be really cool cuz it's all about pain and stuff it's really interesting yeah,
1: and then that's a good um cleric
0: absolute tabletop uh matt click and a couple of other people that i can't remember their names they run absolute tabletop and they're 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 not the most well-known but they're doing really cool stuff and they've come out with uh they don't call them uh, campaigns they call them adventure kits and they're kind mm-hmm. of like a toned down um not more than a one shot less than a campaign and the idea is that you can you can take it and put it in your setting, or you can kind of like mix and match it and stuff. Uh, and they've made two so far. One is Oath of the Frozen King, that's really good, and the other one is Shadows over Drift Chapel. And uh, I, I they had kickstarters for those, and those are really good. And I'd recommend those. I think they're they're super fun.
1: So I'll throw out a free resource out yeah. there for you guys. You go to the Dragon Plus magazine mm-hmm. um, that they put on online because a lot of times I've ran three different little adventures that they put out in that. And it they, all of them ran really well and they were really fun and they were really cool to run. And you can get that every month. They put it out for free and you can just download it. And there's lots of cool stuff in Dragon Plus if you're not already looking at stuff to add to your game.
0: Uh It's a good one. Danimal. Danimal. Who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who would you like to have on the show most from the D&D community?
1: Um... Deborah Ann Wall. Debra Ann Wall. That'd be cool. <laughs> but, but she's a superstar. So I mean that might be a little crazy. Um other than that, I still I would love to be able to sit and talk with Adam Colville. Yeah. We got to talk with Matt Colville, and I would love to have Matt back, Matt at back anytime. Would be, uh, yeah. He would love to come back. Um and I could talk to Matt all day long. But my other hero in role-playing games right now is Adam Cole, and I'd love to have Adam on the show and just be able to, to do an interview show with them at some point or, or anything just to sit and talk and have a good conversation. He's really cool.
0: Yeah. Um, Chris Perkins I would love to have, like Patrick Ooh. Rothfuss. Um, actually, the Acquisitions Thanks. Incorporated people. Like, It'd be fun to have uh, Mike Kruhulik or um, Jerry Holkins on uh jerry hogan's would be really interesting because i just feel like he would have a
1: lot of. you're going cool for the superstars well
0: i mean if you want like why not like <laughs> yeah like, i mean i know we're like jordan's dinky you know jordan and lucian's little <laughs> podcast but yeah. it could be a lot of fun and anna prosser i like her a lot she's on dice camera cool. action she's on the new one that they're gonna do um she's been in a lot of the she plays that that warforged cleric of lathander and, uh, and she just, plays it so well, oh, like so it's good! perfect. Like, well, it's yeah. hilarious. Like the, <laughs> the mentality she has for that character, I think is just really fun. Um, yeah. And I'd like to have her on. I think she's just a really interesting, cool person. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: I can't wait to f- get more news about their show that they're starting up again. Yeah. Cause it's going to be cool to see Chris Perkins running a game again. It's going to be cool. I think she's in it, but I don't know. I don't remember all the other players that have been announced, but yeah, I think it'd be cool. To see where they're going with this new, mm-hmm. um, or or maybe she's she's in the acquisitions one. She was just she's been doing a lot of guest
0: yeah appearances
1: yeah. all over too. So that's been super cool. So really
0: fun. Um, and then I think I think this will be our last question. Okay. Uh, Jordan said I that, really that have to go time to the bathroom. crunch, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we could stream longer, but like I I don't know. This is I I, have we to
1: do. I told him I told him guys 24 hour stream, he wouldn't do it.
0: No, yeah, wouldn't I'm do just it. saying. I'm just um, saying. and I like this one because I, I feel like I have an interesting answer for it. But uh Skulldixon again writes, if you were to create a setting, what kind and what would make it different from all the other settings for D D?
1: Oh, well, you said you already have an answer for this. So let's hear Jordan's answer while I think up mine okay. at this point.
0: So I have an idea for a and d setting that I want to, um, I, I want to create it and then I want to play it with people and, and build it up as a, with my players. You know, I don't want to just like, like novel write it all out, but I like the idea. And I always feel like uh, campaign settings, what makes them unique usually is how magic is treated. Like, uh, you can have a low magic, high magic, all this other stuff, but like, how is magic treated in your setting? Because magic in Eberron really different from their forgotten realms, uh, magic in dark sun, very different from other, other campaigns. Um, and I wanted magic to be warlock focused. So mm-hmm. the easiest way for, to get power is to do it via a warlock. Like you make a pact with someone instant power you lose like maybe your soul or you lose something in the process, but you have instant power. So I wanted, uh, my camp, I don't, this is, you know, generalization, but my campaign idea is having these floating continents. Um, and maybe I think there was going to be six of them and it was one for each of the different types of warlocks that you could be. So like the fiend warlock has its own floating continent and the, uh, other world warlock has its own floating continent, etc. And, uh, Each of these warlocks are populated by humans that have made a pact with, like, a super warlock that's kind of the boss of each of these islands, and they control uh, the rest of the world. Things like being a cleric, outlawed. Wizards, outlawed. Um, But wizards are needed to craft magical items so... If you are discovered to be a wizard, the warlocks take you and they kind of use your magic to to make them magic items and things like that. Um, And so the whole campaign would be how do we get how do we disrupt these warlock overlords? Like, how do we get rid of them somehow? And if you are a cleric, you're hiding your worship um, and the gods are trying to influence people on the ground to stop these warlocks so that they can be openly worshipped again and the, and the gods can get new power. Um, and then I had this whole idea of like like the the floating continent warlocks are controlling the surface, but underneath the drow are rebelling and they're trying to attack the surface world, not out of evil malicious intent, but just like they're not allowing us to, they're going to soon come down and not allow us to worship our gods and we want to stop them. And so you could be a good drow or, or a good duergar or something like that. Um, and I, I like, anyway, that's my campaign idea. And I feel that it's different because, uh, you know, certain types of magic are outlawed and the, the taboo in the forgotten realms is warlock magic, but here that's normalized. So mm-hmm. that's my idea. I've got a couple of, uh, maps built. Um, but I, nice. I like every project, I get really excited and I work on it for a week and then I'm like off to something else. So I need to get back <laughs> to that, but yeah.
1: Very nice. Um, yeah, so my I, I was just recently listening to Adam Cobel again, and he's always talking about um, new RPGs, new campaigns, and things like that. And he, and he always says you have to have a mechanic. You have to have some type of thing mechanically that's different besides just here's my cool lore dump and my lore is different than this other person's lore and that's why it, that's what makes it cool that's not ever what makes it cool it's always some mechanical twist and like you said twisting magic in some way mm-hmm. is a good mechanical twist so my mechanical twist and it's not like it hasn't been done before um, it's it has been done before but the idea that here's the twist it is a fantasy world that has many portals and many doorways to other fantasy worlds When you step through one of those doorways, you flip your character sheet over and you're a different character. And in that world, you are this character. When you come back through the door, then you're back to this other character because you're this other thing. And then when you go through these different doorways or you find these different things, some of them, you, you know about, so mm-hmm. you can say, Oh, we know what's going to happen there. So maybe you have some control over what you're going to become when you move into that world, but other ones you might go into accidentally and you get some randomly assigned role that whenever you're in this world, you're this half elf something, or you're a drow something, mm-hmm. or you're some fantasy coolness creature, you're, you're whatever it might be, um, and it switches. And the cool mechanic would be is that you have these different character sheets that you're constantly having to switch over back and forth, or the way they did it in The Strange is they, they create a sleeve that goes on your main character and then you fit the sleeve over it. So it shows certain things that, that remain constant, Mm -hmm. but the things that change is you can put the different sleeves on there. The things that change depending on what world you go to. Um, And I think that's a cool mechanical idea of this, for somebody who loves lots, playing lots of characters and not yeah. just sticking to one, <laughs> it's this idea of this world that supports and embraces the idea that your players are going to get to play lots of different characters yeah. that are all tied into one. So that would be my thing uh, that I'd love to build and maybe release in a Kickstarter one day in the future, ten years from now, four years from now, next year. You know, whenever we <laughs> do it. Um, <laughs> oh,
0: that reminds me, the nightmares underneath. Um, yeah. which is an RPG, uh, and also, a going back to an earlier question, a supplement that I really like because the Nameless Grimoire has 666 spells in it. And they're easily converted over for Dungeons and Dragons 5e. Oh, I'm going to um, get that. So nice. the Nameless Grimoire, uh, you can get it on Drive-Thru RPG. I really recommend it. The Nightmares underneath is the RPG that goes along with that spellbook, And it is complicated, but the setting is this, uh, you're in this waking world. And then when you go to sleep, you go into this dream world. And that's where the monsters are and you have to fight nightmares and stuff. So it's kind of like what you're talking. Um, they don't have two character that? sheets, but I, I like that <laughs> idea. Uh yeah. I was just thinking that would be a really, so Invisible Sun, um, mm-hmm. there is the, the path of the suns, but uh, y- the idea of the Invisible Sun is that you awaken from the pale, or not the pale, sorry, the sh- uh, the shadow. Um, and the shadow is one of these worlds, and it is our world that we're in right now. And when you awaken from that, you are a visle, and visle go to the Indigo Sun, and you have all these magical powers because you're a visle. Uh, what you're describing would be really cool to have like a Visley character sheet on one side and flip it over and have a cypher system. Like what is your day job in, in the real world kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so when you go back to shadow, you would flip it over and you lose your vislay powers because you're in a shadow world and you have to like figure out something there. And then when you transfer back, you get to be a vislay again. I like that yeah. a lot. That's a really cool idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if you want to see it actually mechanically working, uh, Monty Cook and Bruce Cordell, they built The Strange, which is exactly that kind of idea. But theirs is a futuristic take on it, and it has to do with um, more of a sci-fi world. But I thought it would be a really cool idea also for... uh, fantasy world and it gives me the opportunity to play lots of different characters in the same campaign which is which is perfect for me as a player and i think as fun as a dm not everybody's going to like that kind of thing but i think there are a lot of people that love having oh we went through this doorway i'm a paladin of this which is really cool but then we go through this doorway and i'm more like conan the barbarian and we're in a much lower magic hardcore fantasy and then I go through this other doorway and now it's like Warhammer fantasy battle and the orcs are six foot tall and big and hulking. And we're in this cool, we've got Skaven running around and all this other cool stuff. And in that one, I'm a witch hunter or something, you know, and it's like all these cool different things that are going on. And I think if you had a mechanic with that would easily slip over your main, like maybe make there's certain things that you keep no matter where you go. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's your intelligence. Maybe it's your one or two things that go with you everywhere. But then these These sleeves slip on to say, "Okay, now I'm here. I get this. This sleeve tells me I get this. This sleeve tells me I get this thing." And you could really play some really cool, fun stuff there. So I would love to develop something like
0: that. It reminds me of the anime Dot Hack. Yeah. Where, like, I, I, and I'm just saying, like, that would be really cool if you're like, here's my real life persona, and then when I jack into the game, I, I turn this over, and now I'm, I now I'm this video game character.
1: Yeah, but you could
0: you could uh, pull back from the video game character and say, okay, my real life character wants to try and hack this thing, and if you roll really good, you then have advantages for your game character because you hacked the game, so he's able to like jump higher or something. You know, that could be yeah, definitely uh, like how they could influence each other. You know, that could yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Sword Art Online was would be an influence for me on that. Um, Horizon was another one uh, that's another kind of anime MMO. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them coming out right now. And anime is about people getting trapped in MMOs yeah. when they go in from a VR MMO thing. I just watched another one last night that I saw on Hulu, which was really good. And I love that concept of, yeah, yeah. you get to become somebody else, and but you're still this other person. And that all interacts in the game in some Why way. Why the hell I, is there not a Matrix yeah. RPG? Like, right.
0: that's exactly right. what that is. So yeah,
1: anyway. Yeah, it'd be super cool. Um. This was well, fun. Wait. Go ahead. Even better. Oh, <laughs> it's kids on bikes, but the kids get trapped in a fantasy world. So then it's your other fantasy world, but they get to come back to kids on bikes as their kids. So you're why don't playing we just a teenager. Play, why don't we play kids playing D and D? So <laughs> yes. we, we role
0: play the kids yes. on bikes and Meta. then you're playing games. And then all of a sudden there's an earthquake and you go back to the kids on bikes game. And your little sister has like shook the table because she's angry at you. So right. then you have to like deal with your little sister. Get out of here. We're playing games. You're 10. You don't understand.
1: That's right. And then you
0: go back. All right, dragon.
1: Yeah, I definitely <laughs> want to play that game. I want to play that game. That's how Stranger funny. Things, Stranger the RPG. Things. Let's do it.
0: I love it. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. You are beautiful and awesome. Uh, we very much love and appreciate you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you again for 100 episodes. We're in our third year of this crazy show. And it's just super cool. This is really awesome. Yep. So, uh, we yep. love Sorry for this. any of the hiccups.
1: Yep. We're still working on some of the the um, technicalities. Yeah. We're, we're going to work through them, but you can go back to Jordan's YouTube if you missed anything there. I'm sure his recording pop got all of it. And uh, even if the live show cut out here or there, but it's yeah, been a Twitch. fantastic 100 episodes and I can't wait to see what we do next and where we go next and, and how we do it. So yeah. it's going to be super cool.
0: It's going to be awesome. Bringing uh, you guys with us. Sign up for... The giveaway. Yep. Um, Thanks also, to our thank sponsor Thank you, Dice Dungeons. You are fantastic. Yep. Also, uh, subscribe to the channel. Share this out with people. Yay. It'll be awesome. Um, or don't and limit the number of uh, people that are eligible for the prize. We're just. But talking. hey, like whatever you want to <laughs> do. But uh, sincerely and honestly, thank you guys. Um, Lucian and I really love doing this. We love that uh, you guys are here watching us every day. We love the podcasters that are listening. Um, so uh, just thank you. And and this was a lot of fun. We will see you next week with the winners of our giveaway, as well as uh, more Dungeons & Dragons talk. Um, until then, anything else before we go, Lucian?
1: We're, we're all winners, really. We're so, all winners. You know. You're a winner. But no, thank, I can't wait for our shows to continue into the new year. 2020 is going to be our best year yet. Thank you guys for coming. Yep. Take so us much. away.
0: Yep. Take care, everybody. We will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning <laughs> D&D Show. Bye. Take care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.